Welcome to the front porch. I'm Michael, and I'm here with Dennis. What's up, man? How you doing? Pretty good. And yourself? Uh, pretty great. Uh, you're uh, we're finished wrapping up the great big saga of Dennis and his trips, right? Is this? Uh, are you back home finally? Yep. Uh, does it feel good to sleep in your own bed? Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Mostly, uh, mostly my own pillow. Is the real, <laughs> oh, right. Is the real uh, X factor there? Oh, man, but it was pretty good though overall, right? Got to see family out there. Got it right on the train. Yeah, it was a nice. Uh, I was there for three weeks, as you can tell if you can add and have been paying attention <laughs> to the show, um, which was it was just about the right amount of time. Um, three, as I said, three siblings and one sibling in law all live out there currently, and they all have jobs at various times, so. Spent a lot of time with just part of the group, which was kind of nice. A little more, a little more direct uh, interaction with with different family members than I often get. So, I know nice. that uh, your your family plays games a lot together. Do, do did you get to play any out there? Um, a little bit, not not as much as I had expected or planned, which made me kind of regret packing them in my carry on oh. because I like to travel <laughs> light, but. Uh, we did play, let's see, I took three games and we played two of them, so not too bad. Oh, yeah, that's all right. Which ones did you play, if you don't mind me asking? Um, Custom Heroes, as uh, we talked about, I don't, I don't know if we talked about that on the show. I don't think, I don't think we did, because it doesn't ring a bell. It's a new... You like um, it? We played it at Gen Con, it's a new AEG release in their... Uh, their big in Japan series or yeah. program. Um, it's that sort of rummy style game with uh, cards and sleeves that you put oh, okay. transparent modifiers into a little bit. Oh, like right, right. Uh, what is it? Like Gloom you played that. I have not played that one. No. Uh, yeah. It's, it's similar to gloom, at least in that transparent card mechanic. The gameplay itself is very different. Gloom is oh, yeah. almost like a role playing game. Sure, sure. I, I think that's the only game I, I got to say that I, I've ever played with that mechanic. And I thought that was really, really neat. I've seen a couple after that, but I, I mean, I really liked it. I like the idea that you know, modifying cards and by stacking, and it's just kind of neat. Yeah, it's a so new thing, it? sort of, yeah. sort of pushing the envelope with uh, physical things. Like I know we've talked about games like Hearthstone that uh, wouldn't work with physical cards, but some of the game developers out there are like, well, what can we do with physical cards that nobody's really explored yet what do you uh what do you think about those games that I'm, I'm thinking specifically of something like skylanders uh that have physical cards that you scan or put down or there's a camera and it plays a game like that and you like you own the cards and then it unlocks them in the game do you are those fun do you like those i mean i think magic does, did that i think but i'm not sure i don't i don't know that i've played skylanders is it a little bit like um like the Disney Infinite Infinity thing? Uh, it is, but the Skylanders, what Skylanders had was, and I know this because my 11-year-old and I played it, was that, um, it, it, I mean, it's only themed by the, the, the Skylanders video game. But it's a card game, and they have an app, and you don't really, in this case, you don't really um, play the cards you just get the cards and then you scan them into the app and then you can unlock them in the game 
that way. You can also just buy packs in the game digitally because it's kind of like a free-to-play game. Uh, so any kind of a free-to-play card game type thing. Uh, and But this way you can go buy the physical cards too. Um, but, I mean, besides that specific thing, I've always thought it was kind of interesting. To, I like the idea of taking uh, the physical world and putting it into the digital world. I just don't know if I've ever seen anything that does it really well. You, know, I mean, you, you see them on cart commercials and stuff like, put that on sure. the table. I don't know... Yeah, I don't I don't know. I you know, I've I've tried to become more selective in my collecting of physical mm, things. Right. Um I've I've moved around just enough to um not have a not have a lot of affection for certain things, depending on what they are. It's kind of the uh if everything's special then nothing is. Uh true. Kind, true. kind of mentality. And as as mentioned I have a not a huge collection of vinyl, but enough that <laughs> no, you have enough for it. And, yeah, and I, I guess I'm and it's pretty heavy. Today. So I don't know. It's an interesting if you're. It, it seems to be trying to sort of scratch the itch of the the physical collector, like Magic or any of those physical card games, but with the flexibility and whatever, all the things that go along with a video game being not uh, not constrained. By the by, the material realm, the physical um, media, right? I mean, it's, it's a, neat to see the the artwork on like you know magic or something, and and I always imagine that. I mean, that shouldn't be lost. You shouldn't just have like a little, half of a card and then with the stats on it. It's better to have like a a neat artwork on the card, and then to think that I could like put that in a an augmented reality type thing or whatever. I don't know. That's just a neat idea. I think that hasn't been exploited well, and as augmented reality becomes a more thing. Uh, especially with Apple pushing it, that'd be really cool to see, you know. I mean, I, I agree. I totally get what you're saying. Physical media is out, and I'm probably one of the few relics that still enjoys it. But uh, Well, I mean, I think it depends on, uh, I think it depends on the arena, depends on the um, the domain, I guess, that you're talking about. Um, I think we've mentioned this on the show previously. Um, there are still, there are still bookstores selling physical books. People, People still want, to, you know, for all of the advantages of an e-reader, a lot of people still want to read physical books. People who have tried it go back. It's not just, you know, your stubborn grandpa. <laughs> right. Or, and we know I'm going to be the stubborn grandpa someday. In our, in, right. When you're our age. But, right. Um, the, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I really didn't mean to talk about this too much, but this is a neat little little side sidebar. Uh I have – we talked about this physical media versus digital. and it, I, We may have talked about this a little bit, but I'm holding here in my hand. I've got uh, an unopened pack for Star Wars, the living card game, uh, an expansion box they have. Uh, it's actually called a force pack, and I'm holding it, and see, kind of feels like a pack of cigarettes, I guess, if people are not smokers or whatever. I just absolutely love the feel of holding this thing, and I'm going to open it, and it's just fresh, and all the edges are nice and clean and crisp. And I'm going to open it up and check out all these brand new cards. And I've got two other unopened force packs and an expansion box. And they're just kind of sitting here right in front of my desk. And, you know, I don't know when I'm going to play them next, but I, I just like these kind of physical things. And I know that when I play Hearthstone, for example, uh, okay, I'll pay cash in 150 coins and get myself a, a new pack. And they do little, you know, cinema scenes where you're opening the pack and whatnot. But, you know, just, okay, give me the cards is what you want. And you really 
I don't know. You really miss out on that that neat having that thing in your hand, and it's it's kind of fun. But I don't know. Like I said it, that's not not the future, but you know. Sure, I and I mean we could we could kind of maybe not an entire topic, but we could do half a topic on this at least. Um, I heard uh, recently in one of the one of the other shows that I listened to um, talking about the Nintendo Switch, and this particular yep. um, guy bought it for his kids, and he prefers. He prefers to buy the games in the physical car- little cards or what- whatever the format is now um, for the potential possibility of reselling them if, you know, they beat the game or get bored with it or whatever. For whatever... Yeah, right? Yeah. For whatever little resale value video physical video games have, you know, if you go to a GameStop or anything like that, it's still better than the nothing you get like you know i've right. generally quit playing hearthstone and it's not like if i played magic for a while and then quit i could sell all the cards with hearthstone the cards don't exist they're bits and bytes yeah and and and, and we'll say that some of it has from my experience you know that, that nostalgic thing to it that and value kind of stays at a certain point I'm, I'm looking across the the room over here to playstation a whole nice neat row of playstation 2 games and uh, if people ever had PlayStation 2 or something and they wanted to play X-Men or uh, some of the, the original games, they, they, you know, I can pull it out and I can play it and you can sell that. It's kind of like people and myself included who still buy Nintendo cartridges or Super Nintendo cartridges. It's like, oh, my God, there's that there's that that Street Fighter 2 that I played as a kid and I want to buy it. So you can't do that with a digital. It's gone. It's gone. It's out of here. There's no way you can get it. You know, Origin stopped selling it. Steam stopped selling it. Well, Steam never does, but, you know, you just, just done. Digital. Anyway, didn't mean to, to detract here. I actually had a, a different question I was wanting, or topic I was kind of <laughs> talking about. I was aiming for it when, when I was talking about the games earlier on, is that I knew that uh, I was interested a long time ago. You and I had talked, man, this could have been back at Gen Con when we were talking about... Uh, uh, some board games and what you're possibly picking up. And I know that you picked up the game Legendary, and we did talk a little bit about this. Uh, but I was wondering if you wouldn't mind if I pry your mind on some of the, the thoughts on that game specifically. What do you think? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, to get back to talking about my my time out west, we did play uh, Legendary one game. And oh, nice. That actually um, got me thinking about it this morning. Um, as I was talking to you and as we were coming up with topics for the show, because I played when I was at the week after Gen Con, when I played, uh, quite a few games, like maybe half a dozen games with my sister and brother-in-law down South, down in Nashville. Um, they really enjoyed it. And I would say the only, I had a couple thoughts concerned, but it seemed, it seemed pretty easy. And, um, and so I took it with me, you know, repacked it into a into a big cardboard magic card box. Um, oh, you didn't you didn't leave it in the original where it's like it's got all the space. No, because I, I don't like to check bags if I don't have to. Oh, right, right. You and said... the full size box takes up a lot of space in the carry on. It, it does. It does. Yeah. Uh, so I took just the cards, leaving the leaving the board and the manual. And you just had but, the base um, game, right? Just the base game of it. Yeah, okay. I have just okay. the starter. Uh, the core yeah cool set. cool um and so i played we started out with five players okay and then uh andrew 
dropped out, my brother. Uh, he had to write a paper. Andrew. And, uh, and so the other four of us finished it. And it was actually the closest I've ever seen a game come to losing. Now, of course, we still won. Um, and with the, with the so, deck almost so that ran out? Me... Say again? Did the deck almost run out or were the scenario, you almost lost the scenario? Um, you know, I don't remember now what our lose conditions were. Um, were you playing like the, the first scenario that they recommend in the, in the box? No, no, I have the iOS app that gives you random scenarios. Oh, nice. Nice. So we were doing like either like the nine or 10 point mastermind. Um, oh, so you didn't take it easy, like with the easy seven or something, right? Like Magneto or sure. something. And then the only thing that really gave us trouble was um, my my other brother picked up uh, at least one of those Hulk cards that does a lot of damage but wounds your whole party. Uh-huh, right, yeah. It's, and it's, everybody hates him, but, he, but he's really cool when he does it. Right. And and so so I for sure picked up Wolverine cards, and I think my sister and sister-in-law did also, oh. uh, or at least some some kind of some kind of cleansing. We, we definitely burned turns where people were like, "I'm going to skip my turn. I'm going to throw away three wounds." And that's the worst Jeez. in that game. How do you guys have so many wounds? <laughs> um, but it but it got me thinking. Like you know, it, for whatever reason, didn't didn't scratch the itch enough to to get them to play a second game. I mean, it was too late that night, but yeah, play a second game later in the in the trip, and it made me wonder if the game is too easy. Oh, easy, yes. And and so then I was on uh, I was on Board Game Geek forums a little bit this morning, kind of reading up on that. What people say uh, as far as that issue. Apparently, the difficulty really scales, at least in the base rule set scales directly with the number of players because um, the whole, like you reveal a new villain at the start of every turn. Well, you get more villains per player turn. I mean, it's still one to one, but per per round, you mean per each individual turn, you know, if, if I'm playing two players, then there are two villains for every one opportunity I have to, build my deck yes where if we're playing five players oh yeah that same you know becomes five villains for everyone and it just takes it it ramps pretty fast like what? maybe not as fast as a game like hero realms but the first i'd say at least the first two rounds you feel kind of useless as far as combat is concerned like there's unlike ascension there's never anything that you can attack for two uh yeah there right well, like the lowest henchmen are three right. in the base set and so you can you can buy heroes um there's the whole maria hill, hill thing that i think i've talked to you like about seems kind the of pointless, cultist things and yeah kind of basically is what it is i i guess in the rare instance that there are no threes on the on the hq you know, you could pick one of those up, but it almost never seems worth they, it. They do help with that in the expansion. They they address that almost in the very first expansion. I think the game that I... The one game that we played when I was in Idaho, I picked up the... Uh, 
I picked up a couple of the what's his name Nick Fury cards. Oh, like um, he's my favorite. Yeah, he, like he has the one that lets you trade in your starter cards for those uh, shield. Yeah, what what are they called? Officers? Shield agents. I think the agents are. Oh, the are the are the basic ones? Oh, cards. yeah, the, the officers with Maria Hill, right? The the officers, yeah. And so you do that, and then you get the other one that gets like plus one attack for every shield. Yep. Hero you play. Yep. Um, and and that's a decent synergy, but that's that's your thing. Like that's that has to be like most of your focus for that to be effective, right? And 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 he he actually really is. He also has the. Uh, that specific character has the what I call the void mechanic. I get that from Ascension, where it's you know getting rid of cards so that you can upgrade cards and make them better. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's always in a, in a game like a deck building game. Deck building game. I always that's what I go for first. Is you know shed the cards you don't want and get better cards because I think that's key to the game. Is always coming around with the the better cards. Legendary has uh, you mentioned ramping. Actually, I think Legendary has a. A rough ramping issue. I mean, because, like you said, there's nothing low to kill. So the first, like, two rounds, the villains are spawning and things are happening. And heaven forbid you keep hitting plot twist, you know, scheme twists. Then, you know, you are you can easily, just by the random number generator, you know, lick way, I mean, be held way back. And you've, you're overrun by guys. And if you have five people, that's definitely a much more difficult game than you know, two people. And I think that legendary is much more fun if you do play with a small amount of people so that you can have the opportunity to buy the cards to get what you want, because it never, with a, with a five player game, there's just so many things that go wrong with the random number generator happening. And then, Oh, look, there's my, I don't know, Luke cage card that I want. And then, uh, sure enough, somebody grabs it before it comes around. Cause there's four other people before it gets to you and they're going to grab it. And no matter no matter table talk, be like, no, I want that card because I've got four and that's all I have. Um, so anyway, I think it has some mechanic so problems think, with that. Sure. I, now I read a um, a breakdown, sort of noob focused breakdown of the various expansions. Um, could you name like one or two expansions that you would consider essential for? fixing some of those problem balance problems or I'm, I'm being a little hard on no, it. No, no, sure. You know sure. I mean. Um, I, I will say before I recommend something, cause it, it, I don't have them all. There's so many and there's only a few that I, that I think were, were interesting. Um, but I will say that the game itself, just the core pack, if anybody doesn't have legendary likes deck building games and loves a themed Marvel type game, I think just the core is fun. I think it's good. It gets you everything you need. Uh, it has plenty of different, you know, things. Every game is a different hero. Hell, if you're only playing with two people, you, it takes forever to play all the characters. You, the game is going to be a lot different, and it's really got a lot in the box. Um, so I like that. I mean, I like the, the base game. But this game has the expansions, and I think it was just the, – the system was just made for expansions that you can easily do with it, namely that – some of the expansions are just pretty much flat out new heroes. I mean, oh, there's an X-Men expansion. It adds, I don't know, five, ten more heroes. It doesn't change the core mechanic. Maybe it, it'll add a different scheme, like three different schemes or something. Uh, it'll add different powers, but those are just specific to that 
that hero that you have. So the game doesn't change with some of the expansions. It just allows you like, oh, I don't like the Avengers or the X-Men, but I'd love some of those Marvel Knights characters like the Punisher and uh, Ghost Rider. Do you do you have the villain? I don't set? have the villain set. The what's it? Legendary villains. Uh, I played it at Gen Con. It's pretty cool. I like it because the heroes are coming out and you're playing the villains. Uh, I don't know if that crosses. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was if that was in your uh, in your wheelhouse. Being a big a big hero. Oh no, I, I I'd I'd love to to get it. And now your this whole conversation is getting me so jazzed up, up about it. I'm looking at it across the the way <laughs> over there. I kind of want to buy some more of it. Um, well, heck, you're coming into town in a couple weeks, right? So maybe I'll we'll, we'll play that. So. <laughs> um, yeah. The uh, but there are some that completely do completely change the game. And like I said, I don't know them all. I don't have them all. But there's one in particular that if you want a different experience, you own Legendary, you like it, but you want something different. There's the Guardians of the Galaxy expansion, and it just whacked out changes key mechanics of the game. I mean, it, interesting. It, I was expecting you to say Dark City. Uh, I've not played Dark City, but I, no, I take it back. I did play Dark City, but I didn't own it. Um, and the only thing we played with Dark City was um, just the different characters. I think we played Ghost Rider and something else. Uh, that was one of the first ones, I think, right? Um, but yeah. no, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy adds like the Infinity Stones. I don't even know why they call it Guardians. It's got the Infinity. It's all about the Infinity Gauntlets. Oh, right, and, right, right. And that, and each gem is just totally modifies the game and and then if you're playing Thanos he's ridiculously powerful and you need these different mechanics to win uh it's just really neat and there's just different ways to play you don't have to play with the, the gems they don't have to be a key part of your strategy but they can um and the it's those scenarios I mean, out of the box, those scenarios make the gameplay different, but you can play with the new characters from Guardians of the Galaxy. You can play Star-Lord, and you can play Gamora or Drax um, or Groot, and you can just play those with the base game, with the base scenario, and you got new stuff. But that one in particular takes scenarios and just spins the game on its head optionally, which is just a great. It was like 15 bucks to buy that. Maybe not even that. To buy that one expansion that takes a great game and changes it, but you keep you know, all your core cards and all your core stuff. And I love that. I love it. Love it. Love it. Have, have, have you guys ever played this? Um, with the uh, no Trotsky owns that one. Um, he has it up in his shelf. <laughs> yes, he does. Of he, does. he I, I don't know. It's difficult. I, I, I have to ask him about this and maybe I think we're going to have him on in a couple weeks or so. Um, he, I don't know what he thinks about deck builders. I think he likes them and he has one or two in his collection, but it's always difficult to get people, I don't know, to play it. Maybe it's with our group to play it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know that our group, uh, who tends to be a, a strategic thinking yeah, group I mean, with a lot of negotiation. And why wouldn't a game like this be so yeah, big for I'm, them? None of them are like, meh. I'm not sure what's what's going on there. A lot of times... A lot of times it's group size, like most of the, well, I shouldn't say most, but like um, Star Realms, Hero Realms are by default two player. Um, Ascension was popular for a long time before. Eight million uh, expansion packs? Before, well, before they made an app. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. all just played the hell out of it. Um, But I don't know. I mean, I've definitely heard him 
make statements like you know that make it kind of a one of type right sort of thing which i which i see like i don't really need to have trains and yes. dominion especially because i never even took the time to set up dominion um one of the things one of the big huge things legendary has going for it is the theme you know even if you're not a big comic nerd like i'm not and most of my family aren't there are a couple who've read a little more than the others but probably none of us are as as well versed in comic lore as as you are um it still is a is a recognizable theme to to hook people in and keep the keep the story alive i mean and as much as in as much yeah, as there is and, really a and, story. and you know what the thing um, is is that uh, I, I have this good conversation that I always like to talk about with theming versus skinning and, you know, skinning a game like uh, um, we talked about a couple of, was it a uh, Catan? Yeah, Catan is, yeah, Catan is skinnable. But this game is a theme. I mean, you might be able to skin it with a different genre, but I'm not really sure. Well, I guess it does a little bit because it, it, it's. Well, and that's and that's really why I was asking about the group down there, because I wondered you know, I'm coming to the game fairly fresh, but I was curious for a perspective, a, a, a non-comic reader. Oh, from it? From it, yeah. I guess, uh, I don't know. Um, I wonder if the, you know, the competitive, cooperative mechanics are are a thing there. I know something I saw a couple places on the Board Game Geek forums is people saying that if if you play purely cooperative, it's too easy. And so, regardless of what Will Wheaton says, a lot of the people <laughs> on Board Game Geek forums actually use the competitive mechanics. Yeah. Um, what's your experience with that? I, I, I've only played with my family, so I've said... Well, this means this, but that don't worry about that. It doesn't matter. When I when I uh, set up the game and I'm explaining it to people, it's something I like to do. And and one of the things that always gets me excited to explain is the phrase um, "together we all can lose, but there can only be one winner." Now I know that mechanic some people don't like. I mean, if you're going to play co-op, don't have victory points and don't worry about it. But I think that little twist there, it's like there can only be one winner. When you add it up at the end, you have to have the victory points does put that something in the back of your mind that like, you know, um, should I do this because it's the best for the team? But this one, I mean, and I think that when you put it that way, that there could still only be one winner that, and I'll do during the game. I'll, I'll, I'll tell somebody like, Oh, they think, what, what should I do? Should I attack this? I'll say, well, that one's worth 15 points and this one helps our team, but it's only worth two points. I, I love seeing their dilemma with that. And, and I have a few, my experience has been that a few times they'll be like, I'm taking the 15 and I don't think anybody at the table faults them for it. It's like, uh, that makes sense. It's only a little dude, but it's worth 15 points. You got to do what you got to do. Um, but legendary, I think it encourages, you have to work together. So most of the time, if it's within a few points, you do want to work together, even if it's sacrificing one or two victory points. But, uh, um, having that win condition, add the, just a little bit of the mechanic in there. That's interesting. It's a little bit of a PVP, uh, so I, I like that. Do you think that that solves or is an attempt to solve the um, sort of sensei problem? Oh, yeah. You mean one person running the game? Yeah. Uh, 
Yes, that is a problem. Um, in a, Do you in think a lot it's effective in that in that goal? Hmm. I don't think that does. And the reason being is because that game doesn't have as big of a deal with it for one reason that um, you don't know what the other players have in their hand. So like the, the, the alpha player who decides that, Oh, you should do this and you should do that. And you should do this. He's limited in that he can recommend what you, he wants you to buy because you should buy that and you should buy that and you should buy that. But he doesn't really know your cards. You're playing them, uh, he or she, I should say. So that kind of limits them a bit there in that game. Uh, co-op, all cooperative games kind of have that. Uh, and maybe that little, you know, one person win mechanic is, is a thing. Uh, did you have, so your family, they played co-op mainly. Did you not run into that problem? Um, like where, where you're like, one guy knows how to play it. Gets it. I mean, I mean, if anything, that was me teaching the game. But then the the first time, the first first time that I played it, um, with my sister and brother in law down south, we were all playing it for the first time. Um, this time that I played it out west, I probably did more question answering. Um, I think in my experience with my family group, that complaint it goes a little bit more the other way um by that i mean they need guidance uh, let's see say they again. need guidance maybe yeah like when i tried to teach them uh seven wonders which is a game that i bought almost purely because it supports seven players <laughs> right though i had played it and knew that it was good it's highly ranked on board game geek all that good stuff right. um I spent a large portion of every round answering everybody's questions. You know, what does this do? What does this do? Which of these should I play? Which of these should I buy? And so that when it came time for me to pick which card to play, I'd, I was always the last to pick because I had spent my whole turn asking everybody's darn questions. <laughs> right. Um, now, now, of course, that's a competitive game, so that's a different, uh, it's a different thing. Um, I I don't. Re- I don't really know. I'm I mean, not, you didn't. You, uh, but the thing is, you don't have a feel about it. You don't have a. Re- your memory doesn't go back to like one person was running it, or or no one was. So that means at least it balanced it pretty well enough. There wasn't a marketed thing. So that's. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, for the most part, in in my family, there's nobody, at least nobody who's tried to play this game who's, you know, significantly less game savvy than than anybody else which is sort of where you run into that problem it's like you take a you take a veteran gamer you know who's been going to every gen con since 1993 and put them in a in a pandemic game with somebody who's only ever played you know scrabble or something yeah and uh and you're probably not going to get a real balanced uh group strategy session yeah that's true i uh i gotta say though in general legendary i I, for people out there who are kind of on the fence and not sure about that game uh i'd say it's every bit worth every penny it's my favorite thing about buying a game is getting the worth out of it and legendary definitely has the you, you what you pay for the box lasts and lasts and lasts 
And I love expandability and I don't like expandability in the way that, you know, you will, well, you have to have these expansions and you have to have this and things, you know, it just requires all these extra stuff and then, or they don't work together. Uh, one expansion doesn't work the second one or it's not as good as the third. Uh, Legendary is made to be expandable optionally and that's a good investment and it's a fun game. It's a great deck builder. Uh, you can take parts of expansions and that you like and leave the, leave the rest. If you don't like the new mechanics, that's fine. Just don't pick uh, Nightcrawler with its teleportability. Or if you don't like the scenarios that, that come in the new one, but you really love uh, uh, Daredevil, then you can buy that expansion and add it to your base game and just really enhance it the way you want. And that's worth money right there. And they're not terribly expensive. Uh, hey, I got something else I was going to want to talk about here too. I'm I'm still playing through um, Elder Scrolls. I'm really having a great time with it. Um, but it's you know it's a it's an RPG. It's an it's an MMO. So there's things that take a while, and it's one of those long playing games. So I'll take breaks every once in a while, and I uh, to get something faster paced and you know more upbeat and short time. And I usually that's my Overwatch is what I go to. Um, I haven't put, plugged it in a while, but like two days ago, I think I put it back in and loaded it up and they're having a holiday event uh, that they, I missed last year when it was around. I just got the game. Are you, uh, are you playing on a console? I am playing on a console. I, okay. I, I, you're using unfamiliar verbs. To me, oh, so. is that right? Uh, you like pulled it out and plugged it in and I'm like, what? <laughs> well, see, no, that that's just me again with my stupid physical media, right? Most people are like, what do you mean? Overwatch is no matter what, it's digital, right? You just downloaded it. I was I was kind of hoping that you were talking about PC and you were just using old, like in like in radio when they still <laughs> call the the audio files carts from the old <laughs> right? uh, eight track days. This is my nomenclature is just old man. No. Yeah, just, no, I just old. I, I literally did verbiage. walked over there, pulled it off the shelf, and pulled it out and put it in. So. You know, that, that, that is, you know what, the lazy man on the couch, that, that is the, the worst part about having physical media is that you can't just go, ah, I'm playing that. Let's switch over to this other game. You got to get up off your ass and put it in. So that's a pain in the ass. <laughs> uh, no, anyway, uh, so, uh, they're, they're doing a holiday events, the Junkenstein's Revenge. And that, that got me thinking, uh, uh, I kind of missed back in the days when I used to play like, um, a wow. And, and they were just all about the holiday things and, um, just tons of different ones, and and I guess it's a Blizzard game, so they're doing the same thing here. But uh, they're World of Warcraft's, uh, you know, attempted culturally vague holidays, <laughs> right? Right, or they have like Yule Tide or something like that, and uh, Winter's Veil. And how about uh, there's so many uh, like that in a lot of games too. I remember Star Wars used to have Christmas time. They made it like Wookie Life Fest or Life Day, I think is what it was called. Oh, we're not going to talk about that Christmas special, are we? <laughs> no, no, but but you know, I'm surprised they didn't put. They might have put something into that game with that. That's that's hilarious. Um, you know, as a kid, I didn't mind that special. I was okay with it. Oh no, I know. I, <laughs> but the thing oh, is, oh man, I I I totally forgot today. We should have put that on our list of topics. I recently rewatched uh, the Phantom Menace. What you did? I mean, okay. with riff tracks. Oh, okay, okay. We're coming back to that. Hold on to that because we're going to yeah, come back to yeah. that. So uh, next week, next, I don't know. Maybe we'll come back here about five minutes. Let, let's let's give me that. I want to I want to at least say this or ask a little bit here. I really like holiday events. This is what I was saying is that 
I really like them. They're they're pretty fun. They're they are definitely break up the pace of things. Uh, I don't know if it's because Blizzard has grinds or if holidays are inherent to grinding games, but uh, it really does help break that up. And then there's always like new things, and it's uh, I don't know. They always give you the highlights of games. So like in MMOs, you want a new outfit, something that looks cool or amazing or different. Uh, if it's a mount skin or something, that's that's what you're usually going towards in a game. Whether you raid or you're you know, working on dailies to get something. It's usually some kind of visual change or cool gameplay mechanic that's new. And holidays, a lot of times, the developers of these games will put in these new neat things that are new skins or new gameplay mechanics that are only not necessarily game breaking, but they're they're just they're definitely a fun addition and give it to you pretty easily. Uh, do you have any? You played WoW, right? Like for a long while. You, yeah, a lot. A lot. Did you? Um, were you into those holiday things too? Like I was. Yeah, of course. Um, that's the thing, you know, I talking about collectors, I of course have the collector tendencies. And of course in, in, uh, in a video game, the only cost of accumulating all that stuff is maybe bag management and, uh, you know, however you choose to spend your precious time in life. But, uh, (laughs) I mean, I mean, as far back as when I started with, uh, with original Guild Wars, um, that was a game where the gear meant almost nothing. There was like a flat tier of best gear and you could get it in all kinds of different appearances that were, uh, you know, varying levels of difficult to get. I did but, like that mechanic of the game that mostly was just visual things. I did like that. Yeah. And there were holiday items that the game didn't have. Hmm. It didn't have vanity pets or mounts or anything like that. And if I recall, the only real holiday items you could get were um, hats. And they were hats oh, that hats. Uh, that had no stats. So they had to be ones you wore in town. Okay. Unless you forgot and went out and now you were gimped because <laughs> you, you, couldn't, you couldn't change gear outside. Right. Um, they also had this weird thing where uh, if you died, regardless of how you got resurrected whether you started at the portal and ran or if somebody resurrected you you took um what was it called it's essentially res sickness you take a percentage hit on all your stats oh okay up to like 15 percent or something and there was an item that would reduce that that was uh, a candy cane that was only available (laughs) around christmas nice and so people would hoard them and sell them on the market and it always baffled me that um while some people accumulated a lot of them and sold them and got rich in game gold the price on the on the market was always going down and i'm like how is the value of a finite resource being more scarce yeah like there are no more people can't go out and farm them why do they keep getting cheaper but is there a reason i i never figured it out i don't know i I didn't i mean i didn't care that much right i I uh, tell you with that kind of a collector thing and those that idea of hoarding stuff um i only did a few times with the hoarding things like that in that example i I remember hoarded and it might have been wow uh is that i hoarded um snowballs and that you can get mm-hmm. like crazy. And then I remember during the time when it was the 4th of July or whatever they called it in 
in WoW that I was running around pelting people with snowballs the whole time, which was super nice. fun for me. It's like because you get you know they get snow on their head and they get smacked and. That's the uh, that's the midsummer fest, but <laughs> right. the, so so there are a couple things going on there. Um, I'm not a I'm not a psychologist or sociologist, but um, but you play you one get, on TV, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, you get the uh, you get the reward system that you know MMOs are kind of built around anyway. This sort of, as our friend Dan calls it, a, a slot machine where every time you kill a monster is like pulling the handle and eventually <laughs> you, you kill a monster and you get the jackpot, which is leveling up. So no. <laughs> not a perfect analogy, but uh, you got to play better you, slots to get better stuff, right? <laughs> right. Something like, I mean, you have a progress bar, so it's not like you randomly level up. Although I'm <laughs> right. sure somebody has built a, an MMO that tried that. <laughs> um, and so you get that same reward mechanic, except with the added pressure of a limited time window right yeah and in the old days like in guild wars and to a certain extent wow though wow as part of its you know decreasing barrier to entry curve has has done away with most of this kind of stuff um the rewards were usually one time like you got the 2007 christmas or Halloween pumpkin head thing. And then yeah. in 2008, the reward was going to be a witch hat or something. So sure. if you saw somebody with the pumpkin head, you're like, oh, that dude's been here a while. Which, you know, it only matters in the game. And even then, it only matters to somebody who knows. So right. in a game like WoW that's been around over 10 years, you're God, like... 10 years. I don't, I don't even know if that's a cool hard to get mount that is gone from the game now. And no, like I recognize a couple of them because I played on and off for 10 years, but you know, most of your, of your average player base, they have no idea. And so you get, uh, diminishing returns on some of that stuff over the life of a game. You think they let me, you think they'd let me back in while if I, if I, if I went and turned it on again, you think they'd let me in? In the club, I miss, I miss it. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, you gotta have an active subscription. I don't know. Oh man, stupid active subscriptions. As long as your, uh, as long as your account hasn't been hacked, I don't know. Oh, I'm sure it has, right? It's been like seven years or so. Uh, yeah, that was one of the times that I came back. That was why, like, I got a, a notification that my, that, and I'd been out of it for a while, and then <laughs> in the process of talking about it, getting my items restored, I'm like, I wonder what kind of items I got restored. And you're like, and oh was, no, they could have stole my stuff. Yeah, my rare uh, thing. <laughs> but there's there's some of that, you know. I'm I'm holding on to a couple items on a couple characters that are that you can't get in the game anymore. Um, and that's you know, it's just for me. Or if I'm talking to somebody, I'm like. Oh yeah, I still still carrying around this thing from the the months leading up to uh to Arthas Lich King stuff. <laughs> yeah, this, but was, yeah, this was fun the, at the time. In a I, in I a mean the way you're describing Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say the way you're describing it and the words that you're using though, it's not encouraging. I, I get I get the words that I'm hearing are, you know, limited time goals and uh more 
things that you have to get. It's, it sounds like it's like a pressure cooker that you, oh my gosh, I have to do these things right now. Um, I always saw them, well, it's probably depends on the game, but I always viewed them as a fun and exciting thing to do because I think most holiday things in most games were usually easy to get. Like the, even the hardest ones is if you put a little bit of time in it, you can get the pumpkin hat. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, in in WoW, I still remember, oh, what was it? Probably Burning Crusade Midsummer Festival was the first time that they put gear and it wasn't a lot of gear. It was like a cloak or a ring or something that was the equivalent of like one tier behind the progression raid content. And everybody, you know, not everybody, but the people who are on the WoW uh, forums, you know, cried about welfare epics. And oh, it's God, like, I hate that term. You know, it's it's one piece of gear and it's not like the accomplishment you did is still the accomplishment you did. Like someone else having a slightly easier time getting there months later doesn't diminish your accomplishment. But whatever, that's that's a different topic. Um, well, yeah, but, but the, just the, the, the effect of the holiday events in a, in a game without a persistent world, like I don't play overwatch, but they're doing one in, um, in heroes of the storm as well. Oh yeah. There's um, there. Yeah. Like that. And in, you know, it, it has the same thing as present day. Wow. Where, you know, they have a bundle or, you know, there are a bunch of new skins and mounts and they added sprays and all that stuff to heroes as well but um there's a whole pack of new stuff for 2017 uh halloween whatever they're calling it um but you also now can get the stuff from last year at least oh really pretty sure you can so there there are certain skins and and things that aren't available all the time they're only available during the holiday and my only my only complaint with that system is that it's oftentimes not clear. And I think they've gotten better over time as people have complained about that stuff. You're like, hey, if I had known this skin was going away in two days, I definitely would have bought it. And it's right. Like, take, shut up and take my money. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it. you know, it's one of those things that maybe gets you to play the game a little more or play the game a little differently. The... Um, so far, the quests I've seen in, or event quests, I don't, I'm not even sure they call them quests, but okay. in Heroes of the Storm are just, it was like, play two games during the holiday, and I got something, a spray. Right, a thing. And then play six more games during the holiday, and I got a banner or something. Sure. And now I play eight more, and I get a portrait. Hopefully that's leading up to something good. I haven't taken the time to, <laughs> to research it. I haven't taken the time to go Google it. I'm like, I would, <laughs> I would play anyway. I didn't play at all when I was right. on my trip and I've only been back two days. So you've already you got know. a portrait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> hey, you're going to have um, to, you're going to have to get me into that game again. I mean, I played it back in the day. Actually, I think I might've talked to you about this before is that I, I played, what was the MOBA? Uh, so what's the big MOBA? Uh, League of Legends. League of Legends. I played League of Legends. Uh, I really don't want to tangent onto MOBAs, but I played it and I enjoyed it. But 
that is one of those games that I feel that would be much more enjoyable playing with at least a couple people that you know. Mm, um, sure. And I know our buddies uh, Pete and Zahn play it, uh, at least periodically. Um, so you're going to have to get me back in that game if you're playing it around. And I'm just going to have to do it because it's fun. I played it. I played it a little bit. I never really got a chance to get into it. Played Diablo. He was fun. But yeah, I got to get it. I'd love to play it. Oh, in Heroes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they just added two more Overwatch heroes to the game. They, oh, but you don't like those though, right? You're I, not a big I, Overwatch I guy? I don't. All, all the ones they've put in are either very underwhelming or, as they say in gamer terms, cancer to, to play against. Okay, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go ahead and follow this. Let's follow this thread just a little bit because uh, I'm interested. Uh, tell tell me why. Tell me why. Like, what is it that you've been playing the game for a while? You've got an idea of all of the characters, and now they add in. Let's. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say Tracer because that's a that's a name. Uh, right. wh- what is it? Let's let's focus on her. What is it that Tracer does that bothers you when you're playing? Okay, so the the assassins. They just had a Junkrat, and I haven't played enough to know. But the assassins they have from Overwatch in Heroes are Tracer and Genji. Both uh, ranged, very high mobility heroes. Okay. Um, Heroes is... I'm assuming they're weak, though. I mean, they don't have much life, right? They die easy? I mean, in theory. (laughs) Okay. I I recently have been playing a lot of Samuro, who is a he's an orc, he's a melee assassin with okay. just a little bit of stealth. He's if you played Warcraft three, he's the old um, blade dancer. Okay, class he creates uh, clones of himself, right. illusions, and it's really hard to chase a you know a little tracer who keeps effing disappearing (laughs) or uh, a genji who you can't run away from he just keeps chasing you chasing you and then does his ridiculous forward dash which in heroes is like the complete width of your screen and then some you you know i i haven't played them at at all on here's the storm but that is you're describing them in in overwatch i mean that's exactly how you're playing tracer that's what i've heard my god my brother's both both play Overwatch. Um, I couldn't really get into it, but uh, yeah, that's that's what I've heard. I mean, it, it sounds like that Blizzard's doing what Blizzard does and faithfully translating, though, right? I mean, you may not like them, but yeah, of course. I mean, they're they're two different teams working on the different games, but the the two games are so similar compared to trying to compare heroes with WoW any of the three Warcraft games, Starcraft or Diablo, where yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a fairly easy transition one-to-one. Um, there are some, cla- some cases where it doesn't translate well. Um, I think Diva is one of those cases. Her yeah. shield, which I've heard is very powerful in Overwatch, feels very lackluster in, in a top-down third-person format. Does she have that the the nuke where she blows everything up? The suit blows up. Yeah, does she have that? Yeah. Is it is it awesome? It can be. There are some interesting um, there are some interesting tricks with it. You can uh, you can she does that forward boost, right? Thing. And then, 
boosts and, you and then can, it blows up on the, in the distance. Yeah, you can boost and jump out and run it into places. Um, Hence, just like the game, like Overwatch. Yeah, I mean, pr- the, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get too deep into this since you don't play. But I think part of the reason the other tank they have um, in Hots is Zarya, and she's yeah. also she's a little. I don't know. She's. I think she's hard to play and frustrating to play against, which maybe is true of at least the f- the five old ones and now uh, Anna and Junkrat. I don't know about yet. But um, what about? Uh, uh, I want to go ahead and ask uh, Lucio. I like playing him on Overwatch. How, how do you feel about him in Hots? Lu- Lucio's okay. Um, he he's a weird sort of support. Um, I don't. I don't really know. There's a there's a Warcraft um, fairy dragon, Brightwing. Yeah. Who, uh, she does an AOE heal the same way that that Lucio does, but doesn't it doesn't have the boost like his does. Yeah. Um, and so they feel kind of similar, except that uh, Brightwing, because she's a a flood, floating dragon, she doesn't mount. Instead, she can teleport to. A friendly player anywhere on the map every like oh. 45 seconds or something it's nice which you know has its pros and cons compared to lucio's speed boost or a sure. thing it's one of those it's one of those things that is stronger if you have teammates who know what they're doing or are not completely unreliable and since i do a lot of solo queuing I prefer, you know, not not to have to rely on my team, <laughs> as, as bad as that sounds. Well, I, I got to say that I, I've not heard, I've, I've heard, what's, I guess the sentiment is annoyance from the new Overwatch characters coming into HOTS, but that's been yeah, also, from, that. uh, also from people, the people that I've heard it from, are people who are not generally Overwatch players either. Now, right. I am a big Overwatch player, and I love it, and I, I, I'm so interested on HOTS. That's why I keep telling you, you need to get me in this. So, you know, I need something to push me over the edge. Uh, and that if I get into to there, I think that I would love the Overwatch characters. It's something that I could recognize. I know what they're about, and it kind of excites me. It's kind of like when Heroes of the Storm came out. It's like, oh, there's Diablo, and there's you know the Vi- Lost Vikings, and that's kind of exciting and sort of think that I could go into to HOTS and you know be able to play D.Va or you know one of my other characters. That would, it sounds pretty fun. I would never play Junkrat, by the way. The, um, there are a lot of things that I like about it compared to League, uh, League of Legends. If you played League, it League sort of has the... If, if you divide <laughs> games into real-time twitchy games like shooters and the the stat soup number crunch kind of games like um what did we play more recently even realm grinder is a little bit this way like i you know i did this when i raided in wow i don't want to have to go read spreadsheets and do a bunch of math to figure out how to spend my point upgrades okay you know it's like i don't want to have to read a book about every new game that i play but league is and and I get it it's like it's part of its whole thing as the as the top tier competitive flexibility thing league has a little bit of both um because of the whole like buying items during the game 
yeah. and all of that stuff. Where like I say it was in, a big deterrent for me that that in, spreadsheet in Heroes, the, in Heroes, there's none of that. Like you make decisions in the game, and those decisions are just every few levels you have to choose between two and four talents. Right. I and, and I like that. I mean, it's simple. It's pretty simple. Yeah, and it's more, it's more team focused than League, which is what a lot of people like or dislike. Um, that, that's mainly because of the mechanic of everyone leveling up at the same time, right? Yeah, m- basically, that's 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 the essence of it. So, if you don't have, if you don't have certain heroes, there's a limit to how much team incompetence you can compensate for if you consider yourself the best player on your team which many people everyone, do everyone does <laughs> wh- whether they're whether it's accurate or not right hey the, let's t- bringing that back around here uh in that game do they do they like uh skin arenas do they have like a christmas or a holiday theme to the arenas in heroes of the storm you know i i don't think so I mean, I know they do that in WoW, in Warcraft. You know, they put wreaths all over the place. Doesn't matter if you're, you know, out in the desert in the middle of a demonic <laughs> legion invasion. You still uh, see Christmas lights? Yeah. We're we're gonna hang up wreaths everywhere. Yeah, say I, you know, <laughs> yes, where if you just listen to what we're talking about and all these keywords that keep coming out, namely game names and whatnot, this all comes back to Blizzard. And a lot of these things, right? I mean, they're well, sure. I mean, doing we're, you're, you're talking about holidays. I mean, you specifically asked about Overwatch, but WoW still being the juggernaut of MMOs is, you know, and and a game that we both played. We of course were going to come back to. Well, also because, um, like, say a game. Now I've not been in uh, um, the Elder Scrolls during a lot of holidays, but even then. They just don't seem to have the bandwidth that, say, Blizzard had to, you know, every two months put on a whole skinning of their world for Christmas lights mm-hmm. or for a Halloween sure. things. And, and and it just maybe it's because Blizzard is such a huge monster machine that they can have that capability. But uh, it's appreciated, I can say, that, you know, that they can do that and other games can't. And maybe I just don't notice it. When I play those games, but I will say that playing all of the other games, whether it be Final Fantasy fourteen or whatnot, when they have uh, holiday events that are just you know a, a new portrait or just a small little you know trinket that you get that doesn't have maybe it has an in-game effect, but it doesn't change the world per se, uh, it's not memorable and it doesn't make your game fresh, I guess. And these holiday things really help to make the game fresh, and that's one of the things that I feel made wow. Of the many things WoW had, but that's the one one of the many many things that made WoW constantly renewable all the time is that that game is fresh and holiday events really help with that. I mean, you get bored of your stuff and your grind, and oh hey look, there's a, a new holiday event comes out. I didn't know that Chinese New Year was a thing, but it is. Right. Oh, so what are you reading these days? You read anything good? Um. Last week, I picked up uh, Man in a High Castle. Okay, I've heard that good stuff about that. That's um, it's a it's a series Amazon Prime original, I believe. Yeah, um, right. It's by Philip K. Dick, author of 
do Android Dream of Electric Sheep. Um, do they? As previously do they? mentioned, I, I had erroneously attributed that to Asimov in a couple conversations. Well, maybe just one conversation. Um, <laughs> anyway, that book is the is the basis for uh, Blade Runner. Oh, really? I didn't know that. It's sort of that question of, uh, you know, artificial intelligence mm, yeah. and all of that. But Man in the High Castle is a alternate history. I mean, history now because it was written in the 60s. Uh, alternate history where the Allies lost World War II. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Sort of fairly... It's not that common, but anytime you get parallel worlds or uh, time travel, it's a fairly common thing for people to try and do. A uh, uh, Nazi thing? The, the Nazi thing, yeah. It's like uh, the U.S. is divided between... In in the show, it's called the American Reich, but in the book, it's it's still called the United States. Um, the United States are just east of the Rockies, and then everything west of the Rockies is the Pacific States of America, which is controlled by Japanese. Oh, they split us up. Right. So it's like... Um, I'm not sure how this goes in the book, but in the show, the um, the Nazis developed the nuclear bomb first and oh, nuked. Okay. I think they nuked DC in the show, and then you know events similar played out in that way. But um, it's interesting, especially now that it's what it's like fifty years old. So you've you've watch the show first I'm, I'm i'm in the process of watching it uh we were in a we were in a bookstore last week and i thought you know what i should support a local business and buy a book what should i buy I'm like this show is pretty good and the book is not huge so i'll give it a try give it a shot are, are you uh this is something i'm not sure i kind of think i know about you but i'm not sure are you a an avid reader uh it comes and goes in in phases of life um i i read a ton as a kid um probably about 10 12 years ago i discovered audible and <laughs> never trans, looked back you know switch switched a lot of my reading over to audiobook um but i had a kindle for a little while i have an ipad mini now and so i'll read i'll read books in digital format um, it just depends on what it is and what kind of mood I'm in, what kind of time I have, I guess. You know, it, it all just comes for full circle, you know. It's uh, when we're kids, our parents read books to us uh, before we go to bed, and then eventually they force us to read it ourselves, and it's not quite as fun. And then now we want to go back to let them read it to us again on <laughs> the radio. So it's all yeah. full circle. Um, well, yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, the the big thing the big thing for me with audiobooks is I can d depending on the book and I've burned myself with this trying to listen to some overly complicated uh fantasy series and not able to follow the book because I'm multitasking. I can, you know, mm, yeah, be that, gr that's my grinding problem. grinding in um, an MMO or mowing my lawn or 
painting my house or whatever and be listening to a book at the same time, which if you read, it's a full commitment. You can't do anything else while you're reading. Yeah, I mean, that's what I always filled my time with podcasts for, but uh, yeah, as do I, I. I, yeah I, I like the I need to do I need to do book on tape more often because there are so many out there right now that are really good. Um, so many that I want to read and I am admittingly a very slow reader. I really enjoy books. And when I finish my books, I mean, they like many things that I collect. I still have most all of the books that I've read. Uh, they're on the shelf and several that I haven't read yet or finished. Um, because they're just kind of like, it makes me feel good. I know everything about it. Reading, reading is so much better of a median or medium uh, to get, you know, creativity and neat things in your mind than anything else that you can get. Even video games and virtual reality or anything, you know, a, a book is amazing. Uh, but I'm really slow at it. And I, I'm, intel- I'm a pretty intelligent fella and fella called myself. Um, and, uh, and I, and and I'm, you know, not slow per se, but I, you know, I take a while to process some things. So I'll reread, reread passages or something will happen and I'll want to go back and say, wait, when did that happen? And then reread that passage again. Uh, so it does take me a while to get through a book. Um, but then I'm the kind of person that wants to sit down and, you know, I want to find time and read all night or read for hours so that I can keep going. And I guess maybe because of my limited time, that doesn't happen as often as I'd like. Um, but I am sitting, we're talking about the, the hots thing and, and how I need to get back into things that are wanting to get into that. I, I am after this podcast, I'm going to go back out and put it into my car so that I have it with me. Um, my, um, the book that I'm reading, Sword and Steel. It's the Tales of the Kin book two by Douglas Hollick. And I loved it. I'm, I'm like I'm like halfway through it. It's a great it's a great series. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'm halfway through it. It's taken me a year to get halfway through it. And I and it's not like it's a bad book. It's a great riveting book that's wonderful. But I just need to put that determination and do it. And I want to finish it up. And then I want to start another one. I mean I want to start something that's interesting and that sounds like um, that sounds like fantasy. Is that? It is fantasy. It's a. Uh, it's a. I don't know. I always like to say things in the D and D world, but it's just it's a fantasy world, and uh, without going into any specifics, it centers around thieves and rogues, and I'd say thieves guild. So if you're playing a D and D campaign, and it was based on the, the thieves guild, that's okay. what it would be centered. And there's ma- there's magic in there, a bit here and there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's great. I, I, well, my favorite book series ever is the uh, the Night Angel Night Angel trilogy, and oddly enough, that's also a lot about uh, thieves and assassins. But um, not, that, not that those are like my favorite kinds. I mean, thieves and assassins aren't my favorite things. Do the, but uh, those do, were happy. Do, do the thieves and assassins go through a hero's journey? Yes, uh, oh, in okay. both of them. In both of them. Uh, and maybe that's one of the reasons I like them the most, you know, wow, I hate that you just called me out on that. Cause that makes total sense. Uh, <laughs> God, as much as I freaking go through that. Right. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, the main character in Brent Weeks books of the night angel trilogy, I think the reason I probably like it the most is because 
so many, man, I don't want to spoil it, but so many times in that book, you think this is, there is no, this book is written to end poorly. It is going to be bad. It, it is full of bad things. And if anything to relate it to, it's Game of Thrones season, I don't know, three or four. Everything's just going to hell. There's, you live in that world. It doesn't get better. You just realize that the world is bad and your heroes, quote unquote, are doing the best they can as they go through and they don't, if they have a heroic quality, it's a very small understated one and they accept the fact that it's going to be bad for them. Um, and then the author does the heroic in both of these books that I read. They do the heroic and then all of a sudden good is no longer a burden and heroism and all of the great just qualities when they they happen they succeed spectacular spectacularly and all of a sudden the world starts to get better and change and bright lights are sh shine in the darkness and the heroes come through after the worst of the worst of the hopeless thing as something different than you ever thought that they could be so that hero's journey of you know you're done where you came from is really present in those books. Um, and I yeah, I never really thought of that. I mean, I, clearly that's, it is. I don't know why I didn't think about that. that clearly that's what those, maybe that, why I like those books the best. <laughs> you know, I, I talk about Harry Potter too, because I, I read through the Harry Potter books and uh, I come away with them. I was happy that I read them. I read them, ate, ate them up, not when they came out, but as soon as I got them, only a couple days, as I said, it was a slow reader. These, yeah, they are. Uh, but I still ate those up. I didn't take a year on those things. Um, but I still felt when I was done with those, they're like, okay, that was interesting. That was fun. But there was no like journey. There was no, I didn't yeah. feel like Harry went through a thing. I, know. I don't. I don't remember all the all the details of that whole story. But I mentioned earlier, saw the Phantom Menace. We also watched the first. Oh yeah, two. we didn't go back to that, did we? Damn. Well, next week maybe. Damn, we'll, next uh, week. Fine, fine. We um <laughs> we also watched the first two Harry Potter films with Rift Tracks. Actually, we watched the first one and we watched about two thirds of uh, Chamber of Secrets. Okay. Before before turning it off because everyone was looking at their phones. Oh really? It just was not it that just, interesting. It's just slow and me. It's it's almost three hours long. Yeah, yeah. And even it was the, wildly popular. Even the, loved it. Even the mystery science theater guys making wisecracks at it was not enough to to keep it interesting. Um, why? Because I, I don't understand I mean, what what was so big about that movie. I mean, I hate to say that because I I still would say everyone should watch the Harry Potter series, but now well, in hindsight, what is it? I, I I don't really know. You know, there there are a lot of factors there. Um, they are, you know, stories about kids and made for kids. So as as best I can tell, and I've I don't think I've seen all the films. I did listen to all the books on audio, probably like seven or eight years ago. Um, so they get better as the kids get older. The acting gets better. But it's a lot, a lot of just filler scenes. The you know, whole movies the, are filler scenes. They're just the, all You know, they, they go through, it takes them, you know, the first half hour of the film is just them getting back to Hogwarts and then 
their first day of defense against the dark arts, a bunch of little pixies escape and start messing with people and they hook Neville on the, on the, uh, the chandelier. And, uh, <laughs> it's just, it's like comic relief, but it's, but it's all comic relief. You know what? Does this tie into our Blade Runner discussion? Uh, it's it's world building. It's the draw is the world building and the interesting part of the world as opposed to the story itself. Could that be it? I mean, maybe it's just you know this sort of like you know it's a it's sort of supposed to be the real world, but in a in a fantasy you know parallel world, you know you know where magic actually yeah. exists, but. Even, even the, the the modern real world parts are still old, right? They're still like maybe in the sixties, almost. Yeah, like the cars and everything. Yeah, and then they anywhere that there are witches and wizards, they're like Dickensian. They're like <laughs> yeah, right. They're like back in the early eighteen hundreds for some reason. Right. They just stopped like, their style. They just stopped I, it. I get that they have magic, but why are they still dressed like this? <laughs> it's it's very much like, you know, it's it's you can tell that it's made for kids because like you look at it and you're like, I can see how that's funny and entertaining, but it it doesn't hold up to a lot of scrutiny. You know what? That makes me think because there is a stark moment in that series the on the movie not the books, but the movie where all of a sudden things are like ultra modern in one or two scenes at the beginning. And it throws me off because you're right. His house is, you know, feels like it's from the sixties in the neighborhood and the cars and everything around it. When you see, they, they even go to a lighthouse and it's, it's old looking. So, and then all of a sudden I want to say it's maybe in seven or something that, uh, Dudley is in like a, a, uh, can't remember. He's in a basketball jersey or something with all of his friends, and he's he looks. Mm. He's in modern clothes and and shoes, and they're at a modern park. And like, whoa! That just that just put a whole different look on the whole show. Maybe it was five or something, but a whole different look on the show. You're right. That that now that you're saying it, that that's what stood out because it was different. It's like, oh, this is a modern time. And when I used to thinking of Harry Potter, I'm thinking that old England, not New England. Right. Even as I said, even the modern parts of it are not are not really modern. Um now I've forgotten why I brought that up. Oh the the hair I think I brought in the Harry Potter thing with that. Actually I was was thinking was that uh it didn't have uh it didn't have that hero's journey and maybe that's something that I, I didn't mm. I, I didn't like about or I didn't not like about it. It was fine. It just maybe it was it was missing or why it's not as an inspired book for me. Um Man, I gotta get off that. I gotta get off that somehow. I gotta mentally get past that. <laughs> my my sister commented on how, from the very beginning of the series, um, Harry never has any tension over resources. Right? No, they like, they immediately give him like a gold. His mansion. his parents left him a vault full of gold, and you're like, well, okay, no no tension in the story there, right? He's not Peter we're, Parker. We're, we're freed up to watch uh, watch Quidditch for half an hour. <laughs> right. You don't have to worry about this homeless orphan kid, you know, who's trying to struggle to make it through Hogwarts. It's yeah, I guess that's that's the kid thing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think 
now that we're talking about it, maybe it is the fantasy world of it. I mean, we just keep kind of looping back over. The, that's the interesting part and not necessarily the story. I, I will interject a little complaint I have about the story and her writing and however it's built is that you never, ever, ever in any book are able to figure out the ending. Like, who done it? There's no clues. It's not set up or sprinkled throughout. And all of a sudden, in the last two chapters, it's like, oh, hey, uh, I guess I got to finish this book up. So turns out he had a magic book that let him split his soul in half or yeah. Yeah. And like, Oh yeah. And it's, uh, Tom, whatever is riddle is, is Voldemort spelled upside down backwards. And if you mix 16 letters together, like what, 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 you know, how would you ever know that? I, I really, I think two book two was a perfect example. I actually read through book two and I was really enjoying like, Oh, what's going to happen. We're, we're figuring this out. You know, they're searching this thing and all of a sudden it's like Professor Quirrell or something. And you're like, what, what, who, what? And then they go back and explain all the things you didn't see that happened off screen. You're like, well, that's cruddy. That didn't even give me a chance. Okay, we'll read these next three chapters and then it'll be over. Right. And they, they're not even that really important. You know, they, they, they don't matter at all. Can you, can you tell me at the end of any of the Harry Potter movies what happened that was massively important? I mean, maybe one his... I- Uncle died, I think but... that at some point Harry broke a rule, but it worked out, and so he got rewarded instead of punished. Right. That's that's my summary of every movie. <laughs> it always worked out. It's all okay. Well, that's because Dumbledore was the you know had a thing for Harry. Clearly, God. Right. And and also the the house points thing seems like complete BS. Oh God! Or Quidditch BS, right? We don't get. It. You know what, Dennis? Before tonight, I was a big fan of Harry Potter. I'm going to leave this <laughs> podcast now, completely disillusioned. Success. Just can't handle it anymore. I'm disgusted. You've turned me against Harry Potter. <laughs> we we also watched Rift Tracks for the first two Twilight. If you want to talk about that, <laughs> no, I've actually I have actually uh, avoided the Twilight movies. I, I mean, yeah. It's werewolves and vampires and you know there's moments in my life where I could get into the the emo uh teeny bopper stuff. I'm I'll admit to that, but that was one where I was like, nope. Nope. I I actually find vampire and werewolf stuff pretty good. And I mean, depending on how it's how it's done, how it's implemented, but I totally yeah, agree. Totally agree. I I accidentally not accidentally, but I <laughs> you tripped the, over watching it. <laughs> I saw the first one in the theater with uh, my girlfriend at the time because we did not know what it was. We're like, it's a new vampire movie. That'll probably be good. Oh, that's not terrible. That's a that's a good way to watch things like that. It's uh, it's not good. It's terrible. Oh, okay. I mean, I guess in general, you you like you go to the movie, you're not sure, and then even if it's right, just like, right, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've 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 had good success with that a couple of times, but not that one. You're like, oh my not, god, not, not in that case. We're like, what, what, why is he? He stepped into the sun, and I was expecting to see like a skeleton <laughs> or something. I'm like, why does he have Tom Haverford's glitter? Face cream. <laughs> I, I I walked into. I was married at the time, and I remember walking in, and my now ex wife and uh, my daughter were. They were watching it, and I was like, "Okay, let's see what a little bit this bit this is about." And the scene was like the Wolf Boy, and he had no shirt on the whole movie, and he's just oh, walking yeah, around. And the, he's like, "That's the second movie." Yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah," and then it's like 
come with me. And I mean, it was just the worst stilted dialogue ever. And he just, there was no reason why the dude in the pouring rain didn't have a shirt on. And I was like, okay, pass. <laughs> I mean, in the, uh, in the riff tracks, there are a couple times it, we only saw the first two, but there are a couple times where in the film, they just show the actors looking at each other. And I think they're supposed <laughs> to be showing emotion, but they're not because they're terrible actors. And, the script is terrible and the whole story is terrible, but the, the riff track guys keep going, uh, line, line, <laughs> line, because <laughs> the actors look like they're waiting for someone to give them a line. It's, it's awful. Oh, Hey, Hey, can you do me a really big favor? Like a really big favor. When you write the show yeah. notes for this, can you, can you put like riff tracks, twilight, not just twilight. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't want it okay. to be said. Wait, they they talk about what? Fast forward to that part. <laughs> oh god. Right. Uh, and anyway, so yeah, Harry Potter. Now I'm now I've lost that on that one. I'm I'm happy with some other books. I'm going to finish my my assassin books. Uh, yeah. What, so you got to throw me a bone here, man. What's a what's a good one? You got like I'm sure you've got like a hundred under your belt that I haven't gotten. Surely you've got a top like two that oh, are man. in the, the fantasy ish um, genre. I mean. The or first... sci-fi. I can. I haven't done sci-fi in like forever. I read Star Wars books. Sure, sure. Um, let's see. I mean, the big epic series that I came to first before even Game of Thrones. So maybe the first big fantasy epic after Lord of the Rings, which I read like in high school or college or whatever. I did read that one. Yeah. Um, was uh Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time. I. Wait, I mean, is that the, the one that was like thirteen books and it's like a, it's at least thirteen and maybe Ugh. it's like fifteen by the time you're done. I don't know that I can recommend that one because it's a chore. I don't want a chore. Don't there there are parts of it that are really good. Um, I did audiobook the whole way through, um, which gives you the benefit of like if there are battle scenes and characters are speaking, um, what in this series they call the old tongue. It's like a forgotten language. Um, okay. If I think if you were just reading it on paper, you would skip right over it because you don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, but it's like blah blah on, blah. In in the audiobooks, the narrators do a pretty good job of imbuing that with a lot of emotion, and so it's a little more like um, like the scene in Lord of the Rings when the Rohirrim show up at the Pelennor Fields. Very good. Yes, you, you know what I'm talking about. There. I do. Um, so that's that one. My my favorite series of all time. Hey, wait, wait. So f- you just said that you wouldn't recommend it, but you're definitely listing it as something that you really liked. Well, uh, it's hard because it was like the first one I came to in audiobook form. And it's so long that the characters are very familiar. And so are the cities and all of the weird names. Every time I try to pick up a new fantasy series... That's, yeah, that's in traditional like high epic fantasy. Okay, I get lost in all of these names of things, especially if they're unnecessary. I and, yeah, I agree. I agree. And Wheel of Time does this. Like he has a different word for coffee, a slightly different word for tobacco, different word for whiskey. Like, why did you do that? But yeah, you're talking to people. We get it. Different it's world. it's a really common procedure in high fantasy. So 
you know, it's it's what I like. I have to give that one at least an honorable mention. Okay. Um, all right. I can honorable mention. That makes sense. My favorite of all time so far, and only two books of the trilogy are out. So time will tell, assuming he ever finishes it, is um, Patrick Rothfuss's uh, Kingkiller Chronicles. Okay. The, the first book is called uh, The Name of the Wind. The name of the wind. Um, and hey, you're going to link this, right? So I can look it up in the notes. Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, he does a couple things in the same way that I came to a song of ice and fire from wheel of time on the promise that the author was not afraid to kill off characters. Uh, okay. That makes me scared, oh. but good. <laughs> right. Well, it's like a, it's like a difference. Like that's, that was what was different about game of Thrones. Song of Ice and Fire because um, Robert Jordan in Wheel of Time like never killed anybody ever until like the very last book. That, even that can get annoying. even the bad guys who got killed off the the sort of Satan archetype brought them back. I mean part of the part of the framework of the of the series is that time is a wheel sort of long long form reincarnation thing, but he still like brought these characters these bad characters back in different bodies and you're like come on you have 13 bad guys just leave them dead there's still yeah. seven more or whatever <laughs> right right they don't um, have to come back it's okay but the thing that um Rothfuss does is that he does not waste words um the king killer chronicles is a story about stories and about storytelling um the 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 books open in a sort of it's not present day cuz it's a fantasy world but yeah it starts in the now with the main character um telling his story to a scribe and so okay. and so it goes back right and so you see the frame of where the character is now and so you know that some level of maybe not tragedy but something close to it is coming it's it's very um sort of ominous okay but the the main character was raised in um it's sort of an analog to uh like gypsies or romanians in the yeah, real sure. world um, um traveling performers and storytellers got it. yeah yeah and so he's very Vagabonds. he's very particular about his words and the way that he tells a story and music and all of those things okay um and so i think partly because of that the author doesn't waste any words i mean there's a over you know quote unquote well known scene where he the main character in, in as he's telling the story um he leaves the the university that he's going to to learn science and magic and goes to he goes on a ship to another city where a, a big story happens and the author in the telling of this ocean journey says um i was I forget how long it was, like six months 
He's like, I was on the ship for six months. This happened, this happened, and this happened. We were shipwrecked, and I lost everything except for his his lute. His instrument is in a really nice case, which is part of the story. But his um, lute, I love that. Yeah, and then the story goes on. They're like a a traditional high fantasy author would have told that whole boat story, whether we wanted to hear it or not. <laughs> right. right. But he skips right past it. He's like, it's not really important. Like, here are the things that happened. Let's keep going. Well, that's good. Good. Keeps you on a pace. Um, the the downside, of course, is that it's not finished. So, no. That's, oh yeah. That's but, but it's but it's going pretty good though. You're you're happy with the second book and done with it and. Yeah, I mean, I've I've listened to it a couple times, which is um, you know, a, a an indication to me that it's. You know, it's worth it's worth recommending. And it's because of the way it's written, because of the words are so dense and efficient, it's enjoyable to listen to a second time because I keep picking up more stuff. It's not like Robert Jordan or George R. R. Martin where it's like so many descriptions of rooms and food and roads and horses and clothes. Like I get it. It's a fantasy world where they're You're eating right. rations okay. of bacon or whatever. I'll make you a deal. I, I hate that books are aren't aren't finished when I start reading them because <laughs> terrified of that whole like author dying. Bullshit. Sure, sure. Um, I will listen to the first one of that one if you listen to the first of the Night Angel trilogy, and and we can determine whether we like them or not from then on out. How's that sound? Okay. Oh, okay. you have to give me a link. I've got a little bit of a backlog, but um, I will. So I, I, I will. Bef- I, I think we can best do it as an audio thing because I can. I can make sure that it's always on it when I'm when I'm driving and back and forth. So yeah, sure, sure. I'll, I'll make that a priority. Okay, let's do that. Excited now. Gonna get get myself a new story. It's gonna be awesome. Excited. So to 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 wrap up that topic before we sure. started, I, I know you asked for a recommendation uh, by. Brandon Sanderson, who oh yeah yeah, I would, I would probably put as my second favorite author. He he finished up the Wheel of Time series. I've listened to or read almost all of his work. Um, he has a series of young adult, almost kid novels um, called Alcatraz. Okay, what kind of That's, what kind of what kind of genre is it? It's it's all fantasy. Um, the Alcatraz series is sort of a meta alternate world um, with a, maybe you'd call it unreliable narrator. <laughs> okay. Because they're, they're written from, from, uh, from first person perspective and he will talk about himself, the author, who okay. is not the main character. Oh, okay. right. Uh, the premise is that, um, in all other respects, the world is as we know it, except there are continents we're not aware of because, um, the world is being controlled by evil librarians. <laughs> okay. Right. And so, and so all the books you find in libraries are usually is it, wait, is edited it and lies sexy librarians or is it just evil librarians not not generally no okay okay um because that can change the the book because they control all the information (laughs) they can 
hide the the continents where the free people who still know what the what the deal is and stuff. It's very it's very tongue in cheek. Very already uh, <laughs> like evil librarians are kind of like it already. Um, sort sort of funny. You know, he'll he. I think he starts out the first book by saying that he's a liar, and <laughs> so then he tells you the whole story, and you of course believe things that he says until he gets to the end, and he's like, "Remember when I said that this book was going to end with me tied to an altar, about to be sacrificed by a group of evil librarians?" That still hasn't happened yet. <laughs> That's right. It's still kind of re- remember how I said I'm a liar. <laughs> um, and so that's that's a little that's a little bit of a weird one. And I have not listened to all of those. Um, there, oh, there's there's several, huh? Yeah, it's it's a series. I want to say there's like five or six. Um, and he has a he has a more epic fantasy series that's that he's two books into um he has a sort of he has one that's a little more superhero focused i had forgotten about that one that one would be good too you know as much as i read comic books and graphic novels i can't think of a lot of books that are superhero man superhero yeah so all of his all of his series that aren't although the the Alcatraz ones are like this too. This is a guy, this is an author who's known for two things. Um and they're connected of course, but um specific in-depth world building. I mean just as I described the whole thing with the evil librarians and very well thought out magic systems. That's, so, that's important to, to fantasy books. It really is. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to use magic, you know, there have to be costs or um, downsides, balances in in the ways that all of that works. Um, a series that I that I think you'll like, and it's it's a trilogy that has um, two two sequel books that are set something like 500 years after the original two. Um, the oh, original, okay. the original two are very much like, like the Narnia books, a little bit. the the first The first trilogy is your sort of typical fantasy setting, horses and carriages and whatnot. Uh, the sequel books are a little more, not quite steampunk. I guess you'd probably just say like more western. Um, they're more okay. They're, they're guns and things. Got it. Um, but the, the protagonist of the original trilogy is, um, a young girl who is, I forget if she's an orphan, she's not necessarily a thief, but runs around with street, you know, sort of like Fagin in, uh, Oliver. Oh yeah. Okay. Like the, the yeah. Um, ruffians the, or the, that sort of thing. She's not she's not super young like i think she's just about of age when the book starts um don't don't quote me on that i don't remember exactly okay um and there's a there's a mysterious you know emperor type character that nobody ever sees controlling the world and um and some of your some of your typical 
uh, archetype characters. The the ending was a little. I remember being a little disappointing, though that might have been the first big book ending that a big series ending that I'd read. Wheel of Time still wasn't done. It gets and, harder and uh, harder the the bigger the book series is to have a successful ending. Yeah, nailing an ending is pretty rough. Right. Um, so I I won't give that away. But uh, anyway, this this series is called Mistborn. If you've ever actually, heard of I it. have heard of that. Oh, um, man, I have a friend that I think read that one. Mistborn. The okay. the ma- the magic system there is sort of related to this uh, this sort of fog or mist that envelops the city almost or i think it's most of the planet almost all the time and i think we meant i mentioned this before brandon sanderson is sort of i want to say casually but that's not the right word because he's clearly put tons of thought into this um his his books no matter how disconnected they seem in their setting and and whatever are all part of this what he calls the cosmere yeah. Um, where every planet, this is how I understand it. I'm not sure how accurate this is, but every planet has some kind of um, what we would call divine being or or something on it. Sometimes more than one and the two or sometimes three like fight against each other. Okay. Um, and they have different names on different planets and they they gift or invest power in humans in different ways, sometimes wildly different ways. Okay. And so you'll read a story with characters in a certain setting and the magic system works a certain way, but you know, above it is, is this sort of interconnecting thread, which is, it's kind of cool to me, but right. It's like that world building type thing. Yeah, exactly. But hey, we're we're uh we're running a little short on here. We're running run a little long on time. Anyway, that's that one's a trilogy and it's finished, so no, oh, no I don't fear know. on You're, on you that got me one. you got I think you got me sold on that first one. Okay, man. Well that's enough for us this week, I think. I think that we've given everybody in the world what they can use to make it through the week. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. We'll have to you'll have to go back and cut some of this out, I don't know. <laughs> that's right it's so long some uh, some of that ranting about harry potter maybe oh i don't know we got we got to we got to make sure the world knows about harry potter true. and how i come now to change my mind about the world <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody have a great weekend we'll talk to you later see you later dennis see you man <laughs>